right before you get to 1 Thessalonians. So if you got that far, stop and back up a little. It's just past Philippians. That is not Paul's letter to the Filipinos. It's Paul's letter to the people of Philippi. Book of Colossians chapter 1 contains some of the longest sentences in the English language. I mean, it's like Paul doesn't have time to take a breath, and so he just drags that sentence out on and on and on. Uh, he, uh, <clears throat> for example, uh, it begins in verse 9, and that sentence goes on and on and on. He says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist, period. Is that a one sentence or is that a sentence? He put a whole paragraph in that sentence. <laughs> it went on and on and on. Well, we're going to jump into the middle of that sentence and start from there. He says, giving thanks unto the Father, verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet or worthy. That's what the word meet means. Uh, when we uh, hear people talk about uh, Adam, God made Adam a help meet. That means a help that was worthy. Okay? If you're going to have somebody help you, you want somebody that's worthy, that knows the job, or is willing to learn the job, somebody that's not lazy and sitting around all the time, wondering when uh, they're going to be able to punch the time clock and get done and go home. Uh, You want somebody who's a hard worker. And so (coughs) this word means worthy. So he has... We want to give thanks unto the Father who hath made us worthy or meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. What's the inheritance of the saints in light? Well, who's the light? Jesus. Okay. And Revelation tells us there's no need for the sun, moon, and stars, verse chapter 21 and 22, because God is the light thereof. And Jesus is the light thereof. Jesus says in the Gospels, I am the light of the world. And then he turns to the disciples and he says, now you're the light of the world. And no man takes a candle and puts it under a bushel, but he lifts it off and sets it up so that it can bring light to the folks around. 
you're to be like a city set on a hill. Set on a hill. One of the fascinating things to me about the uh, the space program is we have all these cool space space shuttle shots and satellite photographs of the world at night. Do you know how few dark places there are left? I mean, you got to get way out in the middle of the west somewhere or northern Canada somewhere to find any darkness on the earth. Now you get over to Africa, there's there's a few dark stretches, uh, especially in the Congo and in Angola, but you can't believe how many lights there are on this planet glowing at night. You say, Brother Casey, so that fascinates you? Yeah, but it also discourages me. Because I, I, I can't sleep with the lights on. <laughs> okay? So I have to close the blinds and close my eyes and quit thinking about it. <laughs> I'll be up all night. What's that? You know? Oh, man. You know, I, I wouldn't be able to sleep with lightning bugs in the house. Okay? That would drive me nuts. And my dear sweet wife lays there and rolls over with her back to me and turns on her iPhone <laughs> and checks Facebook. Okay? Not knowing that it provides around her head this aura, this glow that reflects off the wad, off the wall on my side of the bed. And I'm laying there with this light glaring in my eyelid, you know, and and, and I know you're not supposed to be able to see through your eyelids. But, man, I declare I can tell when there's a light on. Well, Jesus is the light. And the inheritance of the saints in the light is the fact that we are going to be with Jesus forever. Forever. We often talk about people dying and going to hell and being there forever. I think I'm going to quit saying that. People are going to die and go to hell and suffer forever. Because that's what hell is all about, suffering. And I'm going to go to heaven and come back to this earth and rule and reign with Christ in peace forever. Is there a difference between peace and suffering? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We have been made worthy to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, how were we made worthy? Okay. Anybody born worthy? Nope. Anybody made worthy by all their good works? Nope. Anybody worthy because they're so good looking? Well, maybe a few of us. Uh, no, just kidding. Okay? No. We're made worthy by the blood of Jesus Christ. His death in our place is what purchased our salvation. His suffering for us. It's difficult to imagine Him being able to suffer what lost people will suffer for all of eternity. But he is an infinite God, so he can experience infinite suffering in a finite period of time, hanging there on that cross for six hours. He knows what it is to suffer. 
because He suffered for us. As a result of that, He offers us salvation. And when we receive His gift of salvation, we are made worthy to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And we're talking about the Father. Because in verse 13 it says, Who hath delivered us from the powers of darkness, from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son? Translated us. And I got to tell you, there was a lot lost in the translation. You ever hear that phrase? You know, sometimes I'll read a, a message from a friend in Israel written in Hebrew. Well, I don't read Hebrew, so I hit my little button that says translate, and it translates it into English, and sometimes it doesn't make near enough sense for me to figure out what they're talking about. Okay? There's just too much lost in translation. When I was translated from darkness into light, I lost all of my sin. I lost all of my corruption. I lost all of my unrighteousness. And Jesus Christ clothed me in his righteousness. So when I stand before God and God sees me, he sees me as pure as his son. I lost all that in the translation. And I don't ever want it back. I don't want to do anything to displease him now. He goes on. In whom we have redemption. Now, redemption, that's different from salvation. Salvation is when someone catches hold of you and saves your life. Okay? That's what it means to be saved. Redemption is when you buy something back. Okay? When I was a kid, my mother would go to the grocery store and she would pay for the groceries and they would give her this long, long strip of green stamps. S&H green stamps. Okay? They were absolutely worthless unless you got a whole book full. They would give you the book, and if you got just enough for one little tiny stamp, you put it in the corner and have to fill up the whole page. But if you had the big green stamps, you could put them right down the middle of the page and then on past the, the gutter in the middle of the page and then on down to the end, turn the page and start over until you got the whole book full for five books you could get a brand new tennis racket. Okay? That didn't sound like much, except back then, we couldn't afford tennis rackets. Okay? And I remember my mother giving me her green stamps and me pasting them in the books until I had five books of green stamps and I got a brand new tennis racket. Whoa, baby. New tennis rackets, brand new tennis rackets, are like brand new kids. Okay, you can with new kids you can run faster and jump higher. And, okay, not anymore; they're old. <clears throat> but brand new tennis racket, you could hit the ball harder and faster and more accurately than you had ever been able to before, for at least the first game. Okay, after that, your old habits would come back and you'd be slinging it all over. Okay. But that's what redemption is. Redemption is when you give something in exchange for somebody. 
And so we have redemption. And what did he give to redeem us? His blood. His blood. When Jesus died on the cross, the blood was running from his scalp. The blood was running from his holes in his arm. The blood was running down through his body and and leaking out the lacerations where they cut him with the whip from the back of his neck down to his knees. And then it was running out the holes with the, where the spikes were through his feet. He literally would have bled to death had he not said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit and gave up the ghost. He voluntarily died, but he shed his blood. He hung there on the cross another three hours, two and a half hours or so. All the blood flowed out of his body. He was redeemed. He redeemed us through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. If he's invisible, how does he have an image? Well, why is he invisible? Because he's in heaven, we're down here, and we can't see him. You can't see his face and live. That's what God said. No man can see my face and live. He told Moses that. He told Moses, I'm, what I'm going to do, I'm going to put you in the, in, in the hole in the rock, and I'm going to put my hand over it, and I'm going to pass by, and I'll take my hand away, and you can see the hind part of my glory. But you get to see his face. But when Jesus came, he was God in the flesh, and we could see him. He's the image of the invisible God. So, we have a God that we can touch. And a God who can be touched by us through Jesus Christ. Because He's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of every creature. You say, how can you be the firstborn of every creature? Wasn't Cain the firstborn human? Yeah, he was. Then how can Jesus be the firstborn? Well, he's the firstborn of God because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit through the Virgin Mary. Okay? But he's also the firstborn because God is omniscient, always present, and Jesus was born before the foundations of the world. Our salvation was planned before the foundation of the world. So in the heart of God and in the mind of this omniscient God, he saw Jesus being born first. Otherwise, he wouldn't have created Adam and Eve because they already knew Adam and Eve were going to sin and we'd die and go to hell if it weren't for his firstborn. Firstborn of every creature. For by him, Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven. What kinds of things are in heaven? Anybody know? Angels. What else? Animals. What else? Buildings. Streets. A river. Fruit trees. In fact, the tree 
of life is in heaven. When we get there, we'll be able to eat of it. It's there for the healing of the nations. You say, what's that mean, Brother Casey? I don't know. I just know the Bible says it. Okay? Some things I take by faith because I don't know what it means yet. All things were created by Him. Things that are in heaven and that are in earth. Visible and invisible. Does that intrigue you like it does me? What kind of things in earth are invisible? Air's invisible. That's a fact. Radio waves are invisible. Okay. I'll tell you what else is invisible. Angels. Bacteria. Yeah. Not totally invisible because we can see them now. But for a long time they were invisible. But yeah, I mean a lot of stuff. But here's things that are invisible. Angels are invisible. Demons are often invisible. Now angels and demons can take on take shapes and forms. Okay? In fact, Paul said, be careful to entertain strangers. Because by doing so, some have entertained angels unaware. Okay? So, angels are invisible. Demons are invisible. In fact, he goes on here and talks about these invisible things. Whether they be thrones, that's places where angels rule. Or dominions, those are areas over which angels rule. Or principalities, those are divisions of the dominions. Or powers, those angels who simply have responsibilities, like for individuals. Okay, I have a guardian angel. Dwayne Billington put this picture on Facebook beginning of the week of an angel with her head buried in her arms. And he said, I think this must be what my guardian angel looks sometimes. And so I had to respond. I said, no, all the time. <laughs> okay. But we have guardian angels. Sometimes I am protected when I don't know anything about it. Every once in a while he protects me and I find out about it later and I think, wow, thank you, Lord. Okay. Our guardian angels are the ones who who are so interested in salvation because they know who God is and they know who we are and they cannot understand how we cannot be much more in love with God than we are. Much more obedient to God than we are. Because they know Him. They know that He is love and they know that He is righteousness and they know that He is all of these attributes. And they, and they desire to look into salvation because they can't figure us out. How could we have the love of God offered at us, offered us limitlessly, I mean absolutely without end, and us not love Him more 
and communicate with Him more and praise Him more and recognize His work more and let others know about Him more. In all thy ways, acknowledge Him, Solomon said. And He'll direct our paths. And we don't acknowledge Him. We should go through the day. Something happened? Wow, that was luck. Duh. Luck's what people depend on who don't know God. It's all they got. So, we have thrones and dominions and principalities and power. These are the four levels of angels and the four levels of demons. Okay? Because demons are just angels that rebel against God. But notice the end of that verse. All things were created by Him and... Wait, what? For Him? Wasn't created for us? You mean God created everything for Himself? Jesus created everything for Himself? These beautiful sunsets, that's not for us? No, the only thing God created for us was the rainbow. That's his promise. He's not ever going to destroy the earth with water again. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. Okay? He's first. And by him all things consist. If you get bread, you want to make sure it has the right consistency. There's a local... Uh, sub shop, sandwich shop in town that I don't ever go to because I don't like the consistency of their bread. Okay? Don't ask me which one. I'm not going to tell you. Okay? My wife might know because when she gets stuff from there, I always stop and get me something else. (laughs) But all things consist. They hold together. Now, what happens when Jesus releases his control over the little tiny elements in the core of an atom. What happens when he turns loose of gravity? The gravity that holds an electron in place, a proton in place. A neutron that that seems to kind of hold it all together. What happens when Jesus turns loose of that? Well, I can tell you. The earth is going to melt with fervent heat. Okay? He's going to have to create a new heaven and a new earth. Because it's all going to burn up. And nowhere is the world going to be able to say, why didn't he tell us? He told us all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. You can say that just about any way you want to, but it means the same thing, however you say it. Jesus holds everything together, even families, even marriages. And we have to literally... Force ourselves out of his hand and out of his will in order not to 
to stay close together because everything was created for him, not just by him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for what Paul wrote to the church at Colossae because, quite honestly, we need to be reminded of these things often. Thank you that we were redeemed by your blood. Dismiss us with your love. Lord, help us to have great services on Sunday. Continue to answer the prayers and requests that we offered up to you tonight. 